0: Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Here at Erie First, we're in the middle of what we're calling a 21-day corporate fast. Now, a corporate fast is where we as a church body collectively set aside time and commit to focused prayer, in our case, for breakthrough in our families and in our community. We're also challenging our church family to fast. But what exactly is fasting? Fasting. Fasting may be something you've heard of before but may not fully understand or know how to put into practice. So today, Pastor Nicole is going to focus on fasting so that we can all better understand its purpose and see how to put it into practice. So let's get started today with a humorous look at some different views about fasting.
1: I think fasting's awesome. I mean, where else can you combine spirituality and dieting all in the same way? I mean, I think it's a bound wrap, pound for pound it does. You know, people think it's for monks or supermodels and stuff like that. But I'm here to tell you it's for everybody. Last summer, I had a 20-year reunion slash barbecue slash swim party to go to, and I done but had to drop about 85 pounds. So thanks to fasting, what has two thumbs and look good in a swimsuit? This guy. Thank you, Jesus. Fasting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's great to uh, skip a meal or two so you can hear God's voice better, you know? Stay plugged into him. Yeah.
0: You know, some people uh, fast from phones and music and gadgets. What?
1: That's, that's not a sacrifice. That's, that's not even biblical. I mean, that, that's crazy talk, you know? I mean, God gave us this stuff so we could stay plugged into him. Maximize our lives.
0: It also keeps us busy enough to never be still or quiet.
1: Are you even a Christian?
0: I dare you to fast from your phone for one minute.
1: Fine. Minute. You got it. No biggie. I don't care. I probably should take that. I fast. Okay, that's a total lie. I don't even fast at all. Okay, I want to. Another lie. Don't even think about it. Deal is, I'm hypoglycemic and diabetic, and that's not even close to the truth at all, okay? Hey, even the Bible says, He who hopes dies fasting, right? Right? Okay, Benjamin Franklin said that right before he died. Bottom line, fasting makes me hungry. Are we almost uh, done? Hello. I'm Brett Johansson, and I believe that fasting is one of the greatest spiritual disciplines one can achieve in their faith. When my family or friends invite me to go to lunch, I gently remind them and passive-aggressively admonish them by reminding them, Did you not get my fasting notification email? Oh, that I had the luxury to eat lunch like you do. (laughs) Every year around Easter, I go through a 40-day fast to heighten my sensation of the Easter holiday, This year, however, I've decided to tack on 10 extra days. (laughs) So by the time we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, I will have been fasting for 50 whole days if I survive. In my fast, I have a very rigid schedule, and if you do not have a rigid schedule, then God does not approve. Some people like to cheat, and they drink flavored waters and juices within the fast. You must be drinking unfiltered well water, and if you do not drink unfiltered well water, God does not approve. In the afternoon, I put a cone of silence around me. I do not talk to anyone. Yes, that does annoy people. Yes, it does anger my co-workers. I am persecuted within my fast, and if you are not persecuted within the fast, God does not approve. When I get home, I go straight to my prayer closet, I do not talk to my wife, I do not play with the kids, I let them fend for themselves. And if the kids do not fend for themselves and the wife does not get talked to, God does not approve. You know what, I'm gonna ask Nice one more time and then I am not in control of what happens, okay? So give me the phone. Okay, fine. I the phone, I, I need to call. Um,
2: no, not- <laughs> this past Monday, we kicked off our 21 days of prayer and fasting together as a church family. Now, if you're here today and you've just thought to yourself, I didn't know about it, or this is the first, I'm hearing it right now. That's okay, you can jump in. We have 14 days left, okay? We would love for you to jump in. Um, we created some resources for you during this fast at eeriefirst.org 21 days. So I want you to check it out. Um, there are scriptures to pray, books to reference, some video devotionals that you can look at for some missions teams um, that are coming up that you can pray for. And so I really want you to take a look at that, because together, we're going to really make a statement for the kingdom of God um, as we fast together. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to study Matthew 6. Um, And in this chapter of the Bible, Jesus himself talks about prayer and fasting. And so what uh, better to learn from than straight from the mouth of Jesus? Uh, We don't even have to guess what Jesus would say about this, because he spoke about it. So that's what we're going to look at today. Okay? Okay. So we've got Matthew six sixteen through 18. You can follow me on the screen as I read. It says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen." And your father, who sees what has done in secret, will reward you. So the first question that we need to ask to study this uh, passage well is: What is fasting? So turn to the person next to you and answer. Tell them what you think I'm going to say. What is fasting? Go ahead, give it a guess. All right, so this is a really good question for us to clarify, but this actually was not a question that people were asking when Jesus spoke these words. Fasting was a pretty normal thing that happened in that culture. Everyone was expected to fast at least once a year on the Day of Atonement, whether they were religious or not. The whole community, everybody fasted on this one particular day. And it was a day in which they were commanded to humble themselves before God and cease from any work. Also, the Pharisees regularly fasted twice weekly, and so that was something that was part of the religious people of the day and the non-religious. And Jesus is not trying to sell his followers on whether they should fast or not. He is assuming that they're fasting, and this was a regular spiritual discipline in the life of Christ's followers. And I want to encourage you today that it should be continue to be that way. It is not If if it's not part of what you do for your spiritual life currently, I want to urge you um, to really make it a regular practice. The simplest definition of fasting is to voluntarily go without something. Okay, so sometimes uh, people go without food for personal health or dietary reasons to give blood. Uh, my favorite is when you have to fast to give blood because then you have to go there after not eating for 12 hours and they shove a needle in your arm, you know. And so you're, you're unprepared in all ways. You definitely need chocolate cake when you're getting the shove needle in your arm. Um, But it's when you give something up. So you may be familiar with fasting when it comes to, like, health concerns or dietary things or, uh, you know, health reasons. But the major difference between fasting in that realm and fasting spiritually is this. It's the heart. It's the motive. Because the idea of going without food or drink for a spiritual fast means self-denial or denying self. It's that you make yourself less so that something else can be more. So fasting is an act which we deliberately and voluntarily deny self out of a reverent fear of God. I like to think of it this way. We say no so we can say yes better. We say no so we can say yes better. We say no to the cravings of the flesh. We say no to the chocolate cake. We say no to uh, the, the dessert. We say no to the coffee. We say no to whatever it is for a period of time in order that our spirits may say yes. We say no so that we can say yes to something better that God wants for us. We say no sometimes so we can say yes to God faster and quicker, and more confidently. And so fasting is when we say no so we can say yes better. You can fast from food, drink, like I said, certain kinds of food, entertainment, hobbies, uh, anything that consumes time in your life. It was very comical in the video that, that he was fasting his electronics, but I think this is a very important thing to think about. A lot of times that little device that you hold in your hand takes up more time than you even want it to, right? Somehow the, it's like a time sucker and you don't even realize uh, what, what you're doing or that you're wasting time on it. But the idea is to give something up that is meaningful to you. You should miss the presence of that thing. So if you never exercise, you can't fast exercise. Okay, that's not how it goes. If you don't like asparagus, don't fast asparagus. Okay, that's not helpful. This is the idea that it's something in your life that you give time to. And and once you give that up, it reminds you to connect with Jesus as your source and provider. The Bible tells us a lot about the reasons why someone would fast before God. Fasting gives us wisdom, clarity, new perspective. Fasting brings spiritual breakthrough and more intimacy in our relationship with God. So let me ask you this today. Does anyone here need a financial turnaround? Do any of you have a lost loved one or a prodigal son or daughter? Are you facing an impossible situation? Do you wish you could hear God's voice better Do you need wisdom in a critical decision? Would you describe yourself as stuck? Fasting is a spiritual discipline that you need to advance forward. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that you need that can push you forward out of these situations. For clarity, fasting does not move or change God. Okay, fasting doesn't manipulate or convince God to do something for you. Fasting moves and changes you. Fasting doesn't move or change God. Fasting moves or changes you. And so denying self just does something to us. When we starve the flesh, that selfish, prideful part of who we are, that starts to die down. And when we feed the spirit, our soul and our spirit get stronger. Fasting doesn't manipulate or persuade God to do what we're asking. It puts us in a position where we can partner more effectively with God's plans because we simply can see and hear them better. When we know what God wants to do, when we know that God is working, we can then jump in on what God's doing and be part of the amazing things that he wants to do in and through us. We can do what God is asking us to do, even when it's very, very difficult. I want to tell you a story about a man named Dr. June Kim. He was an evangelist in Seoul, Korea. And when he was in his 20s, an angry band of communist guerrillas invaded the village where he lived. And they killed everyone, including Kim's family. And he was beaten and left for dead. And later he awoke and fled to safety in the mountains with his young daughter. Kim loved God, and he took the scriptures really seriously. And the scripture said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And so the spirit of God impressed upon him that he was to return to the village, seek out that communist leader who had led the attack that killed his wife and his father and speak the love of Christ to him. And June Kim made it his life work to find that communist leader. It took a lot of years, but when he had the opportunity, he stared in the face this man that led this attack on his village. And at the end of that conversation, the communist leader knelt in prayer and gave his life to Jesus. And within a short time, a number of other communists were converted to Christ. And then in a short time after that, there was a small revival that began to happen in this this particular village. And Dr. Kim helped start a church for the very people that killed his family. He later went on to be one of the largest, uh, the pastor of the largest church in South Korea, the founder of Korea Campus Crusade for Christ. Amazing, right? Now, I want to tell you when I went to look up this guy, it wasn't actually for this story. <laughs> I was knew about him. I knew he was a, a, a man that fasted and prayed a lot. And so I started to begin to, to read some things about him. And then when I found out his history, I had to share it because it was so powerful. But what I really went to look up to share you today is the story I remember hearing where there was a crusade that he had planned to bring one million people to Yodo Plaza, which is a central spot in Seoul, Korea. It was a crusade that he was planning. And six months before the meeting, the police informed him that they were revoking their permission for the crusade. Korea at the time was in political unrest. The city was under martial law. They, they just felt like it was too risky to have that many people in one place at one time. And so Dr. Kim, he didn't panic. He took his associates and they went to a prayer mountain. And for 40 days before God, they prayed and they fasted for this crusade. And as they walked back down the mountain 40 days later, uh, some of his associates were saying, I wonder what's going to happen. Are we going to be able to have this crusade? Is all this planning for nothing? But Dr. Kim walked confidently into the police station. Before he could even say one word, the chief looked at him and said, we've changed our mind. You can have that meeting. (laughs) Here's the deal. When you put fasting and prayer together, the enemy gets nervous. When you put fasting and prayer together, the enemy gets nervous because this spiritual discipline is a secret source of power. Fasting creates a sensitivity to God's voice. Okay, so I brought with me a a radio today. For those of you under 40, this is an antenna. Somehow things happen here and then you can hear something out of it. Uh, but I know most things are digital now. But when I was thinking about fasting, and I was thinking about a radio like this, so when you try to find a station on this radio, oftentimes at first you get a lot of static. Anyone ever pray and just feel like this is all you're hearing back? God, what do I do? Where should I go? What should the decision be? Lord, I'm asking you for help, but this is all I'm hearing back. It's just static. Maybe there's some words in there, Lord. I'm trying to make it out, but what is it? And then as you turn the dial on a radio like this, the words start coming in clearer.
0: The product the product. Use as directed. And hopefully it's an adequate answer. <laughs> by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Someone they respect, someone they think is objective,
3: someone that actually is objective would even be better.
2: And you hear the voice of God just that clear. You can clap now. That was pretty good. (laughs) I was a little worried that another, my experiment wasn't going to (laughs) work. But here's the thing. When we fast regularly, it drowns out the static. It drowns out, it, it, it takes the muffled words that you're not sure what God is saying and it makes them clear as a bell. And then your yeses can be easier, can be more confident, can be, can be better walking in that direction. And this is why you should fast regularly as a spiritual discipline. It clears the static, it tunes you into what God is really saying and it helps you discern the voice of God. In Matthew 6, 16, Jesus tells us some basics on fasting. And the first thing he tells us uh, is how not to do it. And so remember there in Matthew 6:16, 6, he says, "'Don't look somber as the hypocrites do, "'for they disfigure their faces "'to show others that they're fasting. "'Truly, I tell you, they have received "'their reward in full.'" So what he's talking about is some of the people that were fasting then, they would actually take ashes and they would accentuate the lines on their face to show that they were more tired. You know, some of you young moms out there, you don't even have to use the ashes, right? I mean, we just, it's just all right here because we haven't slept in years. But they would do that to say, you know, look, like I am fasting. I'm having this agonizing experience. And so they would do that. and, And Jesus is saying, look, you are fasting with the wrong heart. Motive is everything with Jesus. Their insides didn't match their outsides. And the reward that these people were seeking was approval from others. They wanted others to see how spiritual they were or how impressive they were or how approved they were. And as a result of seeking the wrong reward, the scripture says that this Jesus says that's the only reward you will get. To be honest, the approval of men isn't worth much. The approval of men doesn't take you very far, and it isn't v- very fulfilling. Anyone out there agree with me? You could chase it. You could, it's hard to get, and it's easier to lose. And then once you get it, when you turn around, they want something else. I mean, the approval of men can make you batty. <laughs> it takes almost sometimes a lifetime to figure that out. Have you ever heard that, uh, you know, hear people say, what could you tell your 16-year-old self, you know, if you could look back and tell your your middle school self? And every time I would tell my middle school self, whatever these people think doesn't matter, right? That's what we would say. Because you get so caught up in that. Galatians 1.10 reminds us, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ, Your life has value because of your vertical relationship with God, not your horizontal relationship with others. Now listen, don't get me wrong. Horizontal relationships are from God too. They bring joy. They bring encouragement. They bring love. But your vertical relationship with God is the only thing that defines your value. Your vertical relationship with God is the only one that will never fail you. And I would venture to say it's the only one that matters. In fact, if you don't get that vertical relationship right, all your horizontal relationships will suffer. And this is so important. This is so important. In fact, it's so important. I just want to pause here for a minute. Everyone just close your eyes for for a quick second. And just take a moment and just ask God, what am I doing for the applause of others? Where am I valuing my horizontal relationships over my vertical relationship with Jesus? I pray that Jesus speaks to you in that moment, but if he didn't, ask him all week long, because that's such an important question to settle. So I love in this passage, Jesus points out man's error. Uh, he says, okay, here's what these guys are doing incorrectly. They're putting ashes on their face. They're trying to get attention from each other and not from God. Um, but he always offers to show us a direction to fix it. Don't you love that about God? His heart is for us all the time. He is always, all the time, wanting us to live in this abundant life that he has created for us. And so in verse 17, he says, okay, here's what you do. When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. So putting oil on your face and washing it actually is the equivalent of our, our days of saying, wash your hands before you come to the dinner table. Like, this is a very normal thing. That's what people would do when they went to a feast. That's what the culture would say to do, is to clean yourself up, put oil on your face, wash your face, and then go into um, dinner and feast together. And so what Jesus is saying is the point is less about the actions you take or don't take. The key is to keep Christ the center of the picture, He knows what's deep in our heart, better than we even do. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, Man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Allow God to search your heart. Allow God to teach you why you do what you do. This is so important, even not not just with fasting, but with everything we do spiritually. Prayer, worship, coming to church, all these things. Here's the deal. If the motive's off, it doesn't count for very much, (laughs) So don't do it. It's a waste of your time if your heart isn't in the right place. You're never gonna buy God's affection. You're never gonna, you're never gonna pray enough to get what you want. That isn't how it works. It's all about the heart motive of God. He, he is hammering this point home that fasting, any of the spiritual disciplines, is not to make God love you more. That is just not possible. You are infinitely loved by God. You'll never be more loved than you are right now. And nothing will ever, ever change that. Romans 8, 38 through 39, just let this wash over your heart this morning. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anyone else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Spiritual disciplines like fasting, they don't make you more or less of a Christian. Fasting doesn't make you a superior in your faith. Fasting doesn't earn you more gold stars. That whole achievement mindset is purely earthly. I want to share one more story um, about this. Uh, About a year ago, so I'm going to tell you a Mother's Day story on Father's Day. You guys okay with that? (laughs) They're kind of the same. Uh, (laughs) About a year ago, uh, my daughter gave me a Mother's Day card. Here, here, Here it was. And uh, had a trophy on it. And the trophy wasn't for anything I did. Um, it was just because I was her mom. It didn't say best cook. I probably haven't earned that one over the years. <laughs> it didn't say best advice giver, best uno player, or any of that. It was just a trophy because I was her mom. And it was sweet, and I kept it. But that day, the Lord spoke to me as I held that card in my hand. And he said, Nicole, when you get to heaven, I'm going to give you a trophy. And that trophy isn't going to be because you preached 500 sermons that they laughed at. (laughs) It's not going to be because you led 150 people to the Lord. It's not going to be because you always said the right thing or you always made the perfect decisions. And it won't even be because the parking lot got paved. Come on, somebody. We're thankful for that, but that's not why I'm going to get a trophy. He said, I'm going to give you a trophy because I love you. I'm going to give you a trophy because you're you. And so just for being you, I created you, I loved you, and I redeemed you, and that's why you're going to get your trophy. And this is what Jesus says to you today, too. That he has a trophy waiting with your name on it. And you get it because he is for you. Because he loves you more than you can understand. He loves you deeper than you can even comprehend. You won't get that trophy because based on what you do or don't do or how much you fasted or prayed or worshipped or showed up at this building or served people. You will get it because God created you and God loves you and God redeems you. In fact, he gave his whole life for your redemption. Yeah, thank God for him. So more than anything else, the spiritual disciplines like fasting are meant to point us to Christ. Prayer, Bible study, fasting, it brings us to the the foot of the cross, to the throne of God, and it brings us closer so that we can follow God more and obey him. And and our first and ultimate goal is to be dependent on his grace and let him work in us. So this passage ends in Matthew 6 with verse 18. It's talking about rewards. It says, And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, uh, Jesus isn't specific about what those rewards are. However, I want to show you just a few examples externally of what happened when people fasted in the scripture. In Judges 20, uh, after losing 40,000 men in battle in two days, the Israelites cried out to God for help for one day. They fasted for one day and prayed. And the next day, God gave them victory over their enemies. The reward of fasting in that case ended a war. Okay, you think that it's just a little bit of skipping food for the day? That ended an entire war in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 9, Moses fasted 40 days, went up on a mountain. God gave him the Ten Commandments. In this case, the reward for fasting was wisdom and direction for an entire community that then has been passed on to us for generations and generations and generations. Elijah, hotly pursued by a wicked queen named Jezebel. Jezebel wanted to kill Elijah. He traveled for 40 days while fasting to escape her. He made it safely, and his life was spared. And in this case, the reward of fasting was an escape. It was a way out. Esther fasted for the protection of her people, and she was rewarded it. Daniel needed an answer to prayer, and after fasting was rewarded with clarity and hope. Jesus was tempted by Satan, fasted, and his reward was strength from the Father. Listen, our Father sees what is done in secret, and he rewards you for it. Fasting is when we say no, so we can say yes better. Our only motive to fast must be to please the Father. That vertical relationship with God, so much more primary than the horizontal ones around us. And when God sees a right heart doing a right thing, He will reward you. When God sees a right heart doing a right thing, He will reward you. So here's how we're gonna end today. We're gonna sing this song again that says, I choose to worship. And if you're here today and you you just need a touch from God, maybe you need wisdom, clarity, discernment. Maybe you need healing, strength, provision. Maybe today you need an escape. Like you're stuck somewhere and you need a way out, I just want you to come to the altar as a symbol of your willing heart a statement to Jesus that your vertical relationship with him is your biggest concern. We have some folks that will pray for you at the tables to my right and to my left. If you would like prayer, just approach the table. But if you just want it to be with you and Jesus, just come down front. Let me just pray today. Would you close your eyes with me? Jesus, uh, we want to have the right heart and do the right thing. Would you help us? We're willing to put our desires, our wants, our flesh aside. We're willing to say no to things so we can say yes to you. And so today we say yes. We choose to worship. We choose to worship you. We believe that you're working on our behalf. We believe that we're so overwhelmingly loved by the Father. God, we choose you today. We choose to worship you today. And it's in your strong name I pray. Would you stand as we sing this song and and would you come? Don't worry about any of your horizontal relationships. You just worry about that one vertical one with the Lord. just be a reminder of how deeply you love us. God, thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. Would you change us? Help us be more like you every day. God, we love you. and It's in your name I pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.